Hey, pull up a chair. Tax on Tap with David Axelrod and Mike Murphy. Well, welcome everybody to Hacks on Tap. I'm your co-host, Mike Murphy, and this week we're going to do something a little different, a little special. Let me tell you what's going on. My erstwhile podcasting partner in podcasting crime, fellow hackeroo David Axelrod, is on assignment, as we say, so he's not here this week. And the original plan would be to get one of our rotating guests of expert political hacks to do this. But with Axe gone, so is the adult supervision. So we're hijacking the show slightly today to to try out one idea, just a kind of special show for a, a tough moment in time here in the United States of America. You know, we're all exhausted. Pandemic, the horrific murder of George Floyd in Minneapolis. We have protests mostly peaceful and quite inspiring around the country. We have had violence. We've had the president using federal force and troops to clear a, a square outside the White House with a long history of being a place of protest in order to do a photo op and then going increasingly crazy about it. It's just an exhausting time. So I thought this week we're talk some politics, but we're also do a bit of a palate cleanser. Uh, with somebody who in Hollywood, uh, a place not known for its positivity, I'm always reminded of the old joke about the abusive drummer Buddy Rich, who, when he died, it was said, had a funeral attended by 9,000 people. Really? They said, thinking of Buddy Rich? Yeah, they all wanted to make sure he's dead. Well, it's different with our guest, who is beloved across this industry as one of the truly nice guys. And we're going to talk, in addition to our usual political chat, about food, the great unifier, because you probably know him from his hit television show, Somebody Feed Phil. We have Phil Rosenthal, also known, of course, as the writer, creator, and executive producer of a little show you might have heard of called Everybody Loves Raymond. So, Phil Rosenthal, welcome to the podcast. Thrilled to be here, Mike. We're going we're gonna to cover the gamut, I think, and we're going to yeah. eat. We're going to talk about something unifying in America. But first, true to our mission, let's, uh, let's get to politics. Now, you know, what we normally do here is go through a few of the things that are bubbling up in the news. And I, I think from the last two days, the biggest bit of political news is there's a new CNN poll out that a lot of people are talking about showing Joe Biden absolutely destroying Donald Trump. His numbers were 55 to 41. That's a 14-point lead, and that, that is easily higher than the, I think, nine-point lead that was the best Biden's had. Do you believe it? Does it feel like that out there? Or as a good Democrat, does it make you nervous? Well, how could it not make you nervous? Because I remember in 2016, the polls were very good also. <laughs> yeah, it's true. So, they, so let's they not get way. cocky, Mike. Let's not get <laughs> cocky. Let's, let's remember. Oh, I, here's what I think. In 2016... We lost because people thought the polls were right and there's no way this schmuck is going to win. And so if I'm not in love with Hillary, maybe I'm not going because she's going to win anyway. Right. Yeah. But now there's such a mandate to get this guy out that there's going to be voting like we've never seen before to use a, a Trumpism <laughs> like you've never seen before and, and like nobody's ever seen before. He's going to see this. He's going to see, but what I'm scared about of course is they're going to lie and cheat and steal and voter suppression and the Russians and whoever else, this is my democratic paranoia. And so I think we really need to worry about it and be vigilant 
And yeah, and, I'll tell you, Republican campaigns are often stupid, and Democratic campaigns are always paranoid. So it's this is yes. a perfect matchup. Trump's going to bring the stupid and the Dems, uh, Dems. But look, paranoia when they are out to get you is not such a bad idea. That's right. And and Trump is out to get them. I think. Um, but there's do you another agree p- that we're mobilized, like like people are really, really motivated to vote against this guy. Yeah, I, I think the largest political coalition in the country is fire trump you know it's the single largest block of voters and even the rasmussen poll which has kind of been a famously republican or trump leaning poll it used to be trump's favorite poll he doesn't really have a favorite poll anymore because they're all bad they've got his job disapproval number up at 55 so you know there is a majority that is fire trump and when i hear democratic campaigns get all worried about turnout and think they have to appease the voters they already have i get worried because, you know, I came up doing Republican races in the Midwest and other purple states. And, you know, the trick is always to put the base under just a little bit of stress to allow you to move to grab people who you don't get for free. And uh-huh. when you spend all your time making the voters you already have really happy, that that doesn't mean anything special when they throw the lever. You don't get double credit if the voter is giggling with delight when they vote for you. You know, you just need that vote. And uh, so I I don't think turnout's going to be the Democratic problem. Now, back to paranoia, they're haunted by it because of Hillary in 2016 in the Midwestern cities. But no, I think that part is going to work pretty well. So you're confident? I think the fire Trump majority is going to work. I am paranoid too just from a life in political consulting and again i'm one of these idiots who said that trump was going to uh, lose because i was looking at the polling that was actually correct about the popular vote but the distribution right. of the vote the old electoral by the yes. way you know who invented the electoral college alexander hamilton that's the song that did not make the musical <laughs> by the way I lynn miranda didn't work that part in didn't want to own that thing <laughs> I screwed up the country is not one of the songs from <laughs> It would have been catchy. Yeah, yeah. All my fault. Cha-cha-cha. Anyway, so, so uh, yeah, I think turnout's going to work okay for the Dems. But, look, and th- this kind of brings us to our next topic. But but first, I, I want to bounce out this polling before, as you say, everybody gets cocky. Um, I think that poll is too good to be true. Uh, there's an NBC Wall Street Journal poll that came out a day before that that shows the race at 42 Trump, 49 Biden, seven points, uh-huh. which is a good number, by the way. Uh, yeah. Nothing to be ashamed of there, but that feels a lot closer to reality to me. And the part of the campaign we haven't had is Trump, who's got more money, uh, turning the dogs really loose on Biden. That right. has yet to come. So these early polling numbers are marshmallow. And we still have a long way to go. Oh, tremendously long. We're, you know, this is uh, the beginning of the beginning. I mean, Trump's advantage is also his disadvantage. People know Trump. So Trump's numbers are pretty, pretty stuck. And the good news is they're stuck at 42 or 43 or 44. Mm -hmm. Uh, They don't know Biden. You know, people who follow politics know Biden, but the average voter doesn't really know Joe Biden. So the problem for the Biden campaign right now is they've got a lead, but they've got to fill in some perception behind them. You know, they're very much in episode two kind of situation after the pilot to use showbiz speak. They got to fill out their characters a little in this drama or Trump's going to fill in Biden for him. And and you're going to see that's going to be the big jump ball here, I think, going forward. How good Biden is at filling in his own story to support the fact that people want to fire Trump and he has to make himself acceptable. I feel like he's going to have to be swatting away lies every minute because they'll just come at him with everything. And and the more outrageous, the the better for them. 
it's yeah, what and the we media see. loves an outrageous fight, so it, it gets right. free gasoline. So I hate that, but I think that Biden, all he has to do is kind of continue what he's doing, which is being a human being. Mm -hmm. I feel like that's enough. This is a person with a human heart. And I feel like America is starving for a leader that has a humane bone in his body. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that is the great contrast with Trump. I mean, I was going to ask you this. Uh, you're, you're in the storytelling business. Yeah. How, how If the Biden campaign called up to, you know, tomorrow and said, all right, Phil, how would you sell Joe? How, yeah. how would you make him the guy we need? What would you do? Joe Biden. A human being. <laughs> it's really, it's really, because we are at the point, please, anyone else, has there ever been a more despised figure in our, in our recent history? I mean, maybe you could pick some of the other people around Trump, but I've never seen anything like it. It's, it's almost uncanny how every word out of his mouth, every tweet out of his computer, every action he takes is wrong. Yeah, it's uncanny. It's, it's almost it, a genius for the, for the wrong thing. And of course, what we think is wrong, the other side thinks is fantastic. So right, that's no, the big a, problem. The total polarization. Everybody's got their own reinforcement bubble, and they can go to a news channel that tells them they're always right. I think the one person who is smiling right now is the corpse of Richard Nixon, because oh, thank God, I'm off the worst president list now. You know, me yes. and Harding are going to have a drink because life is so much better. I always say uh, the lesson of George W. was can always be worse. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I think the country would take George W. or one of a lot of presidents, Carter right now. Yes. Um, and by the way, as a low Republican, I have a much higher opinion of George W. than I do of Jimmy Carter. But we I understand. Digress. But you at least recognize a fellow human being. Yeah. Yeah. And I thought it was interesting this week. Uh, the president, former president Bush's office made it clear he was not endorsing or supporting Donald Trump for reelection. Now, if you step back, that's a big deal. The of Republican course. president doesn't have the support of the last Republican president. Right. Uh, or, but, or his generals. Yeah, yeah, which I think is one of the big wheels that have turned in the Trump narrative this week is that yeah. the national security people led by the statement that General Mattis, one of the most respected Marines uh, in the history of the American military, uh, made it pretty clear that they think he is not up to the task. And I think, you know, the, this CNN poll, I think it's a little optimistic but there's definitely a trend in the polling that everything has gotten worse for trump during this uh uh this moment where he's done everything but put on the general pinochet suit and you know got on a white horse yeah um so i mean i'm happy that the generals came around but i'm also a little like this is what it took he had to literally become <laughs> saddam hussein and gas his own people for you to to denounce the guy well remember they're all trained to not be political you know, that's yeah. like day one is the push-ups, day two is the don't be political lecture. And so it's very hard for those guys to to do that. But I, I Don't you think it's point. beyond politics? Yeah, I do. Point. I do. I think, look, I'm a conservative Republican. I, yeah. I don't wake up every day thinking, great, I'm going to be hearing more from AOC during the Biden presidency on yeah, policy. Yeah. I got a lot of disagreements, but he's sure. unfit. It's real simple. Yes. It is Rule simple. Law, we're know? like on a we're we're screaming down the road on in a burning bus, and the driver keeps turning around and shooting at us as we head for a cliff. I think it's <laughs> and the bus company is like, yeah, we like this driver. 
<laughs> Driver of the year, in fact. Yes. We're going to make him CEO. So here's an interesting, we're, we're finished the little polling thing here. We're addicted to polling here in Hacks on Tap. But one of the reasons I think, you know, the normal model in something like this, when there's a crisis, and we have, have two, the pandemic crisis, and now the crisis in the wake of the George Floyd murder, the president, if they know what their job is, try to unite the country, find a path forward. And generally, politically, that helps them. People like a good president, regardless of their party affiliation. Somebody to stand up and say, I'm going to lead, you know, I'm going to do the head of state role here. Of course, Trump has not done that. And it's hurt him. It hurt him on the pandemic. And now it's hurting him during these protests. The Post has a pullout, uh, which is very interesting because they, they ask people, do you approve or disapprove of how Donald Trump has handled the protest? And 61% of Americans disapprove of Trump's hand. That's 10 points higher than the usual I disapprove of Donald Trump. Wow. Uh, and only 35%, which is about nine points lower than Trump's diehard base, says, you know, he's doing a good job. So even one out of four of the voters who still say I approve of the job he's doing are walking away from them, or maybe maybe it's more like uh, one out of five on this uh, on this number. So the the protesting has hurt him a lot. And the other interesting thing is, you ask people, you know, do you support the protesters? Eighty seven percent of Democrats do, seventy six percent of independents, and a majority of Republicans, fifty three percent do. That those numbers are much Very higher good. than during the Ferguson crisis. Yes. And so there is bipartisan support. It definitely starts Democrat, then goes yes. to uh, Indy, and then winds up. But a majority of Trump's own party support the protest. Well, Trump's tone has been, you know, it's all it's all troublemakers and, and looting. So he's stressing even his own people. No, but he's but we've got the video. Yeah, yeah we that's do. the thing. The video is undeniable. There's no gray area. There's nothing you can point to that says anything other than this was cold-blooded murder. You cannot, you cannot deny it. There's no other way to look at it. It is, yep. there's never been a more, forgive me, black and white issue. No, and, and the thing that really, you know, we're going to get into our palate cleansing in a minute, but this is a yeah. conversation worth having. Uh, yeah. The thing that just killed me, on one level, the the murder by the one officer, but the other three just standing there like they're waiting to... You know, for the shift end. Well, two, two, two of them were were actually helping the guy by yeah, holding, yeah, the, the holding him it, down. Yeah. You see that angle where they're they're also on him. Yeah. And, and did you see the Fakakta lawyer yesterday for no. one of them? Oh my God, he was he was also awful, saying that the guy was resisting and he didn't know the guy who was holding the legs down didn't know what the neck was. The guy on the neck was doing. Yeah, it was only three feet away. How could yes, he know? Yes, right, right. Yeah, no, no. It's uh, I, I wonder if there's a special law firm, you know, where you get those guys because these cases always have a moron lawyer that pops up. Trump probably watched and said, "This guy's good. Get me him." <laughs> yeah, put him in charge of Minnesota. He'll be ahead of something. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, did we talk about the defund the police yes, thing? Yeah. Uh, so because, this is interesting because uh, uh, yeah. it's uh, the Trump guy's trying to make hay out of this, and I'm telling you politically, it, it, there's hay there for them. Yes, there is because it's a terrible phrase. It's like the Democrats found the way to lose that by using this. It's a stupid phrase because it doesn't mean what it sounds like it means. Yeah, you no, know, it's policy language for like we're not going to. I totally get it. But the bumper sticker is, hey, suburbanite in Michigan, the Democrats are so loony. They think we shouldn't have police department. It's as if in, in the gun control argument, 
the, the slogan was, we're taking your guns away. Mm-hmm. That's what this is the equivalent. Why would they say it like that? It's almost like, it, it's almost like the Republicans wrote it. Because well, I turned on Fox News this morning and they're all only an idiot would say defund the police. How could you defund <laughs> the police? Defund the police. Shouldn't it be? Um, uh, let's pitch on what the phrase should be. Police reform now or police the police. Even that's better. Than yeah, no, look, I agree. I couldn't believe it because it, it's such a, a just an easy softball of the Trump guys to. And look, Trump land is desperate to get on the offensive and start hurting Biden. And so the loony left, which is always the secret weapon of the Republican Party, this whole campaign is going to be about can Trump get the suburbs back, which means right. college educated white independents and suburban Republicans, particularly women. And so this thing pops up. Now, to Biden's credit, and we have sound on this, let's listen to it. They yes. wasted no time in putting Joe out there to try to put a lid on this thing. Yes. Let's listen. Yes. You've seen the Black Lives Matter painted on that street just outside the White House. Some demonstrators added, equals defund the police. Do you support defunding the police? No, I don't support defunding the police. I support conditioning federal aid to police based on whether or not they meet certain basic standards of decency and honorableness and in fact are able to demonstrate they can protect the community and everybody in the community. Yeah, so they they know what's going on here. So they're going to, and I'm sure he'll sharpen even more, but that was adroit. And the Biden campaign has not always been adroit. So that I thought was was a a good sign. That was a very good thing. Very good thing to say. However, people only read the bumper sticker. They don't mm-hmm. stick around for the nice explanation that they don't understand anyway. No, no, I agree. And again, the 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 Democratic, you know, hardcore left, I don't know what it is, but they love to tee up stuff for the Republicans to run with. And I can tell you in the GOP playbook, particularly the Trump GOP playbook, bait the Dems into dumb cultural fights is yes. like chapter one. And it yes. often works. And we'll see how this one rolls out. So first, uh, you can see it coming already. They're going to take your guns away so you'll be defenseless when there's no police left. You know, actually, that makes some sense to me. I'm going to go get a red hat. Thank you, Phil. You brought clarity. You brought clarity to my doubts here. I'm back. Yes. I'm back. I have Make to get America my terrified again. Yeah. No, no, no. I agree. I agree. Because, look, the key to the whole Biden thing is keep the heat on Trump and make Biden acceptable. So don't take risks with cuckoo policy stuff to appease your, your your super lefties like this. Now, again, Biden did the right thing, but they don't want to spend this week saying, I don't want to defend the uh, defund the police. They want to be on offense. So it's unhelpful. Should Biden bother debating him? Oh, yeah, I think so. I think it's important because the Trump message is Biden's cuckoo. And he's old, he's senile. And the best way to knock that down is a good Chris debate. Um, yes, so, but, yeah. it, but the, Trump's going to come to the debate and Biden has to be ready for when during the debate, Trump says, I have a report here that says you sleep with uh, babies. Yeah, right. Well, these things are always about being on offense. But if Biden can look presidential and be sharp, he will knock down the whole loony thing that Trump does have enough video to maliciously edit to do television ads that will hurt Biden. So he needs that big platform, I think, to knock it back. But you got to have a strategy. It'll be tricky. Yes. And and you don't want him to come with a knife to the gunfight. Yeah, yeah. But unless you can handle Trump in a debate, yeah. you're not going to be president of the United States. So it's a clarifying thing for the Biden campaign. But I but I mean, anyone who watched the Hillary debates thought, well, this is a, an intelligent person against uh, an idiot. So I don't know. I don't know if there's winning there. Yeah, but Hillary didn't lose because of the debates. Trump 
survived the debates. He didn't win them. Hillary lost because she was, uh, to use a Hollywood phrase, a pre-aware title for everything you hate about politics. You know, she she was scandal. She was all this stuff. Oh, God, not more of that. Washington doesn't work. And Trump showed up. And what people, the great lie about Trump that in the perception is reality world of politics people believed is he was art of the deal. He's going to get something done. He's credentialed outside of politics. You know, he's a billionaire. He's really good at business. He's going to make everything work in D.C. It's the fundamental failed promise, by the way, that the Trump administration. Yes. yes. Um, but the, the other thing about Trump, like any sweat act, you know, how many people go see Gallagher three times in one week? You know, it, it, there's a it's it kind of amusing the first time. But now that we've had four years of it, there's nothing new or interesting about Trump, which is important for him. By the way, uh, I love that sweat act. That's really good. An old I, Vegas I guy told before. me that once. And yeah. I, I thought, uh, and then I heard it from the comedian Dennis Miller said, yeah, sweat act. And it, it's just one of my favorite terms now. Somebody who just like runs around, works really hard. You think you saw a show. Right, right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. You know, they're putting a pie in their own face, doing prant yeah. balls, pull out the kazoo, do God bless America. You know, Instead of uh, talent. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Sweat act. Going to remember this. Yeah, no, and I think it fits Trump to a T. Yeah. So I got to ask you, you know, you're yeah. you're you're here in the middle of the Hollywood world. I'm sure you're at orgies at you know Clooney's hot tub all the time with all the communists. That's me. <laughs> what? Uh, what's the VP talk? Anybody you're rooting for? Anybody you're interested in? Who? Uh, well, uh, uh, I have to think they're going to be better at choosing than me. I I actually liked everything that. Bernie said, I liked everything that Elizabeth Warren said. Uh, do I think they're the, the the best choices for his VP? I don't know. I would love to see an African-American. I'd love to see this is the right time, it seems, to choose one. Uh, but they probably have all their polls and statistics. Uh, who's going to win the states that we need? You know, I'm for whatever works. I really am. And I think anyone from the entire Democratic field would be a fine choice, just as I think my toaster would be a better choice as president than what we have now. Your toaster has my vote. Well, look, <laughs> we we've got to uh, we've got two big missions here. We got to go away and hear a word from one of our outstanding world class sponsors, and then we we'll nice. then we will be back to get to the fundamental mission of somebody has to feed Phil. Come on. Support for this podcast comes from Dropbox Business. Think about the people you work with. You're all supremely different, but that's what makes a team so valuable. Different skills, different backgrounds, different ways of thinking and working. So why force everyone to work the same? Dropbox designed a new kind of workspace, a space where whatever works best for you works best for your team, where every file and app connect. Tasks not only assign work, but also help organize it, where you can create new decks spreadsheets, and even launch video calls without ever needing to leave your workspace. That's Dropbox Business, a space for teamwork your way. Try Dropbox for your team at dropbox.com slash teams at work. Seek out families and eat with the families. I'm telling you, that's where the magic is. What would your last meal be? It would revolve around childhood favorites. We should complete the cycle. You want to be breastfed as you go out. (laughs) Thanks for ruining this whole premise. (laughs) 
Okay, that is from the trailer for season three on Netflix of Somebody Feed Phil, which is a tremendous concept. They basically take Phil and he eats his way through a city. It's kind of like um, a plague of locust travelogue thing with, with a great with a great energy to it. You're you're even when you're chomping on like a tarantula, you know, sandwich. You're you're happy. <laughs> So there tell me no, about your love of food and restaurants. This is fake news. There are no tarantula sandwiches. <laughs> I've been hoping. In my show. I'm waiting I did, for it. I did eat in Seoul, Korea, a barely dead octopus. Oh, barely and, dead. And that, it was still moving. Oh, God. It doesn't stop moving immediately after it's killed. Well, what is that like? It's uh, weird. Uh, <laughs> so it, but, you know, everything's a vehicle for sauce. That's how world cuisine has has always flourished. You take ingredients that maybe aren't so appealing or, or cheap, and you put fantastic spices or sauce on them, and they become, you know, a, a destination for people. <laughs> it's true. That's the that's the history of world cuisine is in the sauce. It really I is. Know, it makes, makes, I mean, how else are you going to wash Just like down politics, a live by the way. Yeah, no, yes, exactly. that's right. But, but by the way, speaking of politics – my show, it's it. Yes, there's a lot of food in it. Yes, food is the excuse, but I'm only using that if you really watch to connect you to the people and the culture, mm -hmm. because food is the great connector. And then for me, laughs are the cement. Right, right. No, I think that's the magic of the show. It's such a happy experience. Thank and you. Food is a unifying thing too, because it's the ultimate social moment. I didn't uh, think it was a political show at all, but for some reason, because of the times we live in, the embracing physically, emotionally, spiritually embracing of other people is a political statement. Like you mm -hmm. watch that show and you would go, oh, I know who he is. I know what side he's on. Right. Yeah. Right. And all I was trying to be was a human being. <laughs> There's an advantage in that. I mean, even like here, when you're having the extended family dinner and, you know, Uncle Norm is going on and on about the mind control conspiracy and paper <laughs> money being no good and Aunt Thelma won't speak to him because she hates Trump so much and all that. Everybody's still, you know, the food part works because it's a you great unifying it. deal. Yeah, no, I, always I think say that's the magic if, of it. If, if those boys from uh, Al-Qaeda would just sit with me and have a little chocolate cake, everything would be okay. <laughs> that's what, there was this tough old Paul, you, you may know him, you're, you're from New York originally named Arlen Specter. Yeah. And he was tough as hell. He had been yeah. the Philly DA and he was kind of a moderate to liberal Republican. Tough, tough, Paul. Uh, one senator once told me, Ireland's passed away now after a courageous battle with cancer yeah. uh, near, at the end of his life. But the great Arnold Specter story was, uh, you know, a senator told me if I, uh, he's, he's so irritating and so tough and hard to deal with that if I could kill one of my colleagues with a hammer, it would be him. But if I had to hire one of my colleagues to defend me and get me off, it would be Arlen. He was wow. brilliant, too. Yeah. So Arlen would have these campaign meetings where he'd bring everybody in and his whole campaign staff and beat the hell out of everybody. And it, by the way, he grew up in the same town as Bob Dole, so he had the same twang. You know, Kansas. Right? And so <laughs> anyway, there'd be a 20-minute tongue lashing because he had to have a very good campaign to survive in Pennsylvania. Right. And at the end, they're all beat down and everything, and Ireland would smile. All right, everybody have some pie. And these oh. guys would walk in with an assortment of Philadelphia's best pie. And that's how he'd rebuild the staff after he'd kind of vented of his course. frustrations. Food and it was brilliant. And they never beat him, by the way, and you know, at least in his reelects. Food so. is inextricably tied to politics. Uh, uh, the Declaration of Independence was not written in Independence Hall, it was written literally at the restaurant around the corner. Mm hmm. 
and then formalized that independence hall. But all the work gets done over food. It's, it's, it truly is the great connector. We all got to eat and we all like it. Yeah, no, and no. So and I, in campaigns, it's all about food, as you say. Of course. There are hangouts, certain restaurants, often yes. both parties. In New Hampshire, you yes. go to the back room at the Puritan, which is kind of a big Greek you know, family restaurant uh, in Manchester, and everybody is there during the primary. You know, it's not right. only a mandatory campaign stop. It's people who are killing each other nine to five are there, you know, and it, it's a lot more comedy and friendliness inside during that moment because everybody becomes a human being again for a while. Absolutely. By the way, one thing that cops could do is have little little meetings with, with leaders and over food. That would be a start, yeah, right? Yeah, I think it would. I think it I saw would. in Camden, New Jersey, where they you know, change the way the police department works. The police department throws barbecues and, and comes around with ice cream for the kids and does, you know, and literally changes the perception of who the police are. What what in the show? Uh, look, I, I applaud that, by the way. I think, again, people, they default. It's like in the programming to being human beings when they're eating. And it's, yes. just, it, it's, a, it's a great uh, neutralizer for anger and hostility. That's, what, the, um, that's it. What gave you the idea for the show? Where'd this come from? Other than you're clearly always hungry. Uh, and you're a thin guy, too. I don't know how you do that. I, <laughs> I, I work really you hard. eat a whole city, and then, uh, <laughs> and then somehow the plane leaving can still take off, and you look the same. It's unbelievable. Well, you know how they make a dog food commercial? They don't uh, feed the dog until the commercial. Ah, got it. So okay. I'm the dog. Right. And I also have eight guys looking at me while I'm eating with their tongues hanging out. And so I, I have to share with them. I want to share with them. That's only fun if you can share it. And it's smart. You have to pace yourself. You're also seeing a week's worth of shooting condensed into less than an hour. Right, so, right. so it looks like I do eat a lot, but I also work out every day and I do pace myself. And by the way, I've gained more weight in quarantine than I oh, have yeah, on the road doing have. the show. Yeah, totally. Yeah, but this is dangerous <laughs> because the only entertainment is the only travel we're doing is with the menu, right? No, it's true. It's true. Postmates is doing all the travel or DoorDash or however you're getting your, exactly. But your but uh, I, I I'm trying to tell people you can expand your horizons. You can travel by ordering takeout that you never had before. Mm -hmm. You know, try Ethiopian food. It'll spice up your day certainly, right? <laughs> At least something coward. exciting is coming. I mean, I love ethnic food, so I actually yeah. would. I think I've had Ethiopian food, but anything too fancy, I get. I get. The problem is, I start thinking, all right, I'm making a bet here in a casino I don't understand, yes. and I'm going to be sitting there wishing I'd had a chili burger. Instead, I choke down, you know, the tarantula yes. burger or something exotic or something tarantula a l'orange. I got to get and, you one of these. <laughs> I want to have the uh, the live <laughs> octopus sometime. Now, have you ever had? I so I the live octopus story, which is going to haunt me now for the rest of my life. <laughs> so I imagine the tentacle tickling my molars. I try to eat it. What um, what? Have you ever been there with the, the proud chef and the extended family owns a restaurant staring at you and you, you bite into something and it's the worst thing? What, what do you do? You go into a poker face? and I do. Yeah. And I'm not very good at it. I mean, yeah. if, the show, if the show, one of the things people tell me about the show is they like seeing my face reacting to stuff and I've been blessed or cursed with this face where I can't play poker. You know what I'm thinking. You know what even the thing tastes like, they tell yeah. me. Right? <laughs> yeah, you can't lie. It's I that can't. Bad. And there have been times I'm thinking of in Hong Kong, the thousand year old egg 
You know what that is? Uh, I, I'm I'm quivering at the idea. No, I yeah, don't. Yeah, it, it's not really a thousand. It just tastes that way, and <laughs> it, it's it's a it's an egg that they preserve in lime and ash and then bury for weeks or months. And then when it comes out, it's like a hard boiled egg, and they cut it in half and it's on the table. It's one of the appetizers, and it's the the white is a kind of brownish orange, and the the yolk is a bluish green. Oh, and there was another. Uh, there was a Chinese lady at the table who wouldn't eat it. And I said, we're going to taste it because that's what I do. I have to taste it. And she was so tentative that I took half an egg and popped it in my mouth because I'm hilarious, Mike. You know, I'm hilarious. <laughs> well, I turned every shade of that egg. Oh, I, I bet, thought yeah. I was going to die because the first thing you taste is really, really rotten egg. And then that's supplanted by a tsunami of ammonia. Oh, boy. Well, there goes the palate cleanser, everybody. Yes. If you're listening Sorry. in your car, you can pull over and open the window now. We, we won't tell. But that happens rarely. Most mm. of the time, I like it because we've done research. This is going to be the best. And I'm trying right. to show you the best. People even say, it looks like you like everything. Yes, I like everything I'm showing you on the show. Yeah. When the I, outtakes when I, of you being hospitalized are a whole other well, deal. not hospitalized, yeah. but just like yeah. there certainly are some things where you eat them and you go, man, that's all right. Yeah. That's, that's not a show. <laughs> right so we don't put that in i thank you for warning me if anybody offers me the thousand year egg i'll yes uh, i pass oh. although i gave it to somebody i warned them i showed them my reaction on the right. show and they said well i'll taste it and they taste it they go oh this i like this oh my god and i said wow you would enjoy my mother's cooking so to do the world's most clumsy transition back to politics as we wrap up on food here if biden and trump were dishes what would they be as a man with world uh world cuisine experience here what what is trump he's a shit sandwich i mean i don't think there's any <laughs> okay do i have to i mean i was that's looking a, for a brilliant metaphor there man that's the um, nicest thing i can say i mean it's not even food yeah i think it's kind of like a bad state fair corn dog interesting at one bite and then if you have to eat the whole thing you're you're sick to your stomach and no you're being never kind do it again. I, you, you're it's poison he's poison okay and biden here we go we're, we're defined biden through food nice roast chicken dinner yeah right <laughs> yeah i think so everybody you know, likes it it's nothing not gonna, new and fancy to it you know just, what you're getting you know what you're getting and it's good and it's good you know it may even be good for you but it's certainly not bad Yep. Yep. That makes sense. I'll, I'll buy that. Well, look, I love the show. Uh, last Thank night I you. saw the Chicago episode with, uh, I'm going to mispronounce their name. I always do, but my favorite pizza place there, which is not the ones that people normally go to. It's Pequod. Right. Pequod. Um, yeah. Yeah. Pequod. Which, which is a tremendous, and they also will have Detroit pan pizza there, which is they close do. to what they do with the caramelized cheese based on oh, God, what I love good. about it is based on pilfered auto parts. Because some guy who started Buddy's Pizza in Detroit ripped off from the plant a bunch of these uh, steel trays they kept parts yeah. on, carbon steel. And yeah. over time, they became incredibly, you know, they built up whatever you build up in, in cooking. I utensils. didn't know that. And they, they, they came up with the famous Detroit Square Pizza, which is a delicacy I highly recommend. And you can get it, the real stuff, at Pequot's in Chicago. It has moved over. There's some places here in L.A. that, that do a similar yep. thing. Yep, absolutely. It's taken well, over. If it's on Netflix and you've got a website, let's plug that. And then we're going to go to the mailbag. PhilRosenthalWorld.com. And I'm Phil.Rosenthal on the Instagram and Phil Rosenthal on Twitter. I'm there for you people. 
<laughs> and by the way, I should plug, you did a very funny video about Trump, uh, which was a montage of all the people standing behind him looking uncomfortable, which I highly it's called recommend. We Stand Behind the President. On YouTube. It, it's very, very funny. It's one of my favorite Trump viral videos. Okay. Thank you. Let's go to the mailbag. It's listener mailbag. Okay, so we're going to do a little bit of a mailbag blitz here, and we'll get to a couple quick questions. Uh, this will go quicker because there won't be three political uh, bloviators, just me, and I'll try to <laughs> tear back my bloviating. Phil, you chip in anywhere you want or just scream oh. bullshit if you don't believe the answer. Uh, Gavin wants to know, why doesn't statewide polling for U.S. Senate seats and for president match more closely? For example, I see in Arizona, Mark Kelly seems quite a bit ahead of Martha McSally, while the president presidential polling between Trump and Biden seems closer. Well, Arizona traditionally is a swing state with some Republican leaning, so the presidential campaign kind of reflects that. Well, the Senate campaign is more about Kelly is a very strong candidate and McSally is a weak one. As the campaign, as the election gets closer, that, that makes close but they're they're not in lockstep mike do you think most senate republicans are going to get swept away as well well not most but the in the in senate races you always look at the state what it normally does and there were right. a bunch of lean republican states like arizona though arizona is quickly declining under trump that um that the Republican Party felt pretty good 10 months ago you know, about. Now right. the polling is terrible. Right. So even people like Joni Ernst in Iowa are in trouble. Uh, in Montana, you know, uh, Bullock, you may remember, he ran for president for an hour. The governor there is running. He's popular. That's turned Montana into a plausible race. And then the folks from hard states to win, particularly under Trump, where he's ruined the brand, like Cory Gardner in Colorado, Susan Collins in Maine, are in real trouble. So I think the chances that the the Democrats win the Senate now are pretty good. Not a lock. I wouldn't be surprised if it's one seat either way, but the Democrats uh -huh. are totally in the hunt, and that is owned by Trump and the fact that the senators have been so, frankly, gutless with, with That's right. kind of one-and-a-half exceptions uh, uh, about dealing with Trump. Now, here's a question from Dave. If independents were a political party, it would be the fastest-growing party in the biggest party research shows. I'm going to trim this down a little bit. The big question is, would you agree that closed party primaries, in addition to gerrymandering, is one of the main things that keeps that grip of activists and extremists strong? And if so, is there any talk in Republican circles of finally supporting open primaries where anybody can vote in any primary? You know, there's always talk about that, Dave, and I'm a supporter of open primaries because I think it's, it's not so much ideological for me. I just think the marketplace of the primary the more it looks like the marketplace of the general election, the more electable candidates you get. But most party officials and mechanics in both parties oppose open primaries because it loosens their grip on the system. The special interest in each party, be it the teachers union on the Democratic side or conservative groups on the Republican side. So in some states we have it. I think it's good for the party. Uh, I'm for it, but it is a long road to get there because the people inside the machine tend not to like it. Are you an open party guy, Phil? Probably you are. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if, if they serve good food. If they serve good food. All right, last question from Michael, not me, I promise. On election night, which early states would be best predictors of the final result of the night? Florida or North Carolina, perhaps going blue? Pennsylvania or Michigan stay red? Margin in Georgia, a too-close-to-call moment when the polls close. What are you looking for on election night? Well, we will do a whole thing about this, but... This presidential election is going to come down to about six states. 
Wisconsin, Michigan, and Pennsylvania, which are the states that we had not won in the Republican Party in a presidential since the 80s that Trump won, will those flip back? Election were held today. Two of them would for sure. Only Wisconsin is showing some Trump strength. In Michigan, a new poll has them down 10 or worse. Uh, and then the big question is for me is Florida, a state I've worked in a ton. Florida is in play. If the Democrats win Florida, it's over. I don't care if Wisconsin or even Michigan go back. And then finally, Arizona and North Carolina. Arizona could be a real backbreaking win for the Biden people. It's insurance on the Great Lakes. The polling there looks very competitive. And North Carolina would be a huge win for Biden, and he's creeping there. So I would watch any of those. I'll, I'll give you a little pro trick that has been right until it was wrong. In the political racket, a lot of us watch Florida, and it'll be watched again. And we watch one county in Florida, Duval, which is Jacksonville. Why? Because it reports fast. You get the Duval numbers very quick, so it's kind of a canary in the coal mine. Inside of it, it's often solved, at least early, by the Duval number that comes in. Well, Trump was running behind in Duval when the numbers came in mm. early. And that was a very bad sign for Trump in Florida. So people, including in the Hillary campaign, thought, how? It's in the bag. And then Trump, who has a different coalition than the normal Repub, super performed in places like Pasco County, north of Tampa, that more than made up for his underperformance in places like Duval. So the canary in the Jacksonville coal mine was for once wrong there. But still, I would watch Duval County on election night. You'll be able to get those numbers really quick before the networks report. And again, I'd watch Florida and I watch those big three. Uh, and I keep an eye on Arizona. So there's going to be, and the race will develop, and we'll give you a viewer guide to election night when we get closer. But I'd watch all of them and see what happens. So that's the mailbag. Let's uh, let's go on to last call. Last call. Phil, you got a last call? I want everybody to uh, support Jose Andres, the great uh, mm -hmm. saint of uh, the patron saint of chefs and and he's uh, got the the uh, world central kitchen we know what that is what he the, he does this brilliant thing where he employs restaurants and restaurant workers uh, and pays them to provide food for people in need including uh, kids who've lost their school lunches because of this pandemic and first responders. So my wife and I are supporting that and if you go to uh, world central kitchen and make a donation uh, from my uh, website or my uh, Instagram, we're going to match every donation. Wow, that's incredible. I've yeah. made one. I'm going to make another now that Fantastic. I know I get to soak you too for a good cause. Thank that, you. That sounds excellent. I just want to put out a quick salute to my old friend and client, Mitt Romney, who has the thing that seems to be missing in the Republican Party right now, guts. Uh, he was out marching for racial justice and it's not because there's a big black swing vote in Utah he's worried about. He did it from his heart, following the footsteps of his father, George Romney, who in my home state of Michigan uh, was also not afraid to speak up on civil rights. So uh, just a salute to Mitt to keep the flame of real republicanism and opportunity conservatism alive. And finally, I want to circle back on something I said last week about something in the works for we Republicans who are still conservatives but can no longer abide the crimes of Donald Trump. Check out Republican Voters Against Trump. We're on the internet at Twitter at RVAT2020. That's the group I've joined. We just put up an ad that's gotten over 5 million views talking about Donald Trump cowering in his bunker. And we're going to be targeting Republicans in those big six states. You're going to hear a lot of, from us coming forward. Feel free to send ideas or money and uh, help us win the Republican Party back by getting rid of an unfit president. So with that, Phil Rosenthal, thank you for being a hack on tap. Wow. You know, I'm usually just a, a 
comedy hack, they call me. <laughs> but but today I got to be a political hack. I'm very proud. You're moving up. You're moving up. <laughs> only used car dealers are more despised than political <laughs> consultants. So thank you for helping cleanse our palates. We will be back next week with David Axelrod. Back to the day-to-day politics. And again, as always, thank you for listening.